Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, Charlie Day is our nod to Mario being Italian. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined as I am always joined by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We're going to be talking about the news from the week, including Chris Melodondry talking about the Mario movie cast. And then on Thursday, we are celebrating the GameCube with the ABCs of the Nintendo GameCube. But Mark, in the meantime, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Um, recovering post-holiday, getting geared up for the next holiday. It's a non-stop holiday fest. That's Right, and that's what you can always expect from us on Nintendo Cartridge Society. Are you feel Mark? Look, we're body positive here. Are you feeling fat? <laughs> yeah, I'm feeling a little fat. Yep. Um, and it's uh, it, it's fine. It just I feel uh, I feel heavier than mm, I than I am comfortable. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, pie is what I'm. Uh, <laughs> Sarah and I split a pie on Thursday. I mean. If there's a day to do it, right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Did did you have any uh, of we the had, we had menu items that we discussed? Yes. Okay. Uh, uh, we had ham. No turkey this year. Whoa. Turkey not on the menu. <laughs> ham on the menu. Ham on the menu. Uh-huh. Interesting. Did that were people like finally no ha- no no turkey? <laughs> no, but that would have been funny. <laughs> Everybody was just like this heavy sigh of relief. <laughs> Like, oh, my gosh. Oh, thank God. The weight is taken off. We do not have to worry about turkey this year. Um, Mark, I don't know if you saw, but we were taking a little heat uh, about our stance on macaroni and cheese on, on Twitter this year. Uh, would you like to defend yourself? <laughs> I feel like it speaks for itself. Mm-hmm. I, I, I apologize, actually. I didn't see... <laughs> what 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 the what the what was the comment? I it was mostly just Connor saying uh, that hey Connor what's up um, that uh, uh, he was it was uh, it was it was a gif of some kind and being like when uh, Patrick and Mark uh, come for oh, macaroni and cheese I or something like that. This. Yeah, I did see this. No, and I'll speak directly to Connor. Whoa, <laughs> I think you're wrong. I respect you. But I think you're wrong about macaroni and cheese. Speaking of things that we respect but think are wrong, my copy of Sonic Forces for the Nintendo Switch, would you like to borrow it? You can certainly try. All you got to do is email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at gmail.com and give us a mailing address where we can send you my copy of Sonic Forces for the Nintendo Switch. One thing that might that is part of the what we think is wrong, uh, there may be a copy of Untitled Goose Game in there instead of Sonic Forces. That's just something you got to deal with. Uh, play it for as long as you want or not and send it back. It costs you nothing. Another thing you can do is you can leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we appreciate it. And we appreciate everybody who has ever promoted the show, told a friend about the show, posted about the show, written to us. We appreciate it so much. Right. If e- you- even if it's to tell us that we are wrong about macaroni and cheese. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's okay. Right. That's yeah. okay. Um, I relish people telling me I'm wrong. Mark, how do you feel about relish? Uh, not a fan. Yeah, me neither. Just stick to pickles. No, I say no pickles either. I say get them all out of here. <laughs> Cucumbers on their own, you're fine. Oh, I love cucumbers. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, 
If you leave us a five-star review on the U.S. Apple Podcast Store, we'll give you a shout-out on the show because that is where we check. If you review us anywhere else or you um, sh- like promote the show in any way, talk about it on Twitter, tell your friends, you can let us know by sending us an email or hitting us up on Twitter because we would love to give you a shout-out. Uh, next, Mark, as we come into the end of the year, uh, you know, things got to slow down or they get hectic and then slow down. We all know how the holidays work. I don't know why I'm explaining it. Um, we are going to be doing a couple episodes about the Sega Genesis Nintendo Switch Online collection. Uh, so the last two weeks of the year, we are going to just be doing one episode per week. Um, and the first of those episodes, we are going to be playing three games from the uh, Nintendo Switch Online Sega Genesis collection. I don't know what order those words fall in, but however they came out of my mouth, uh, most recently is what I'm going to assume is right. <laughs> um, so for the first week, we have selected what games we are going to play. Um, Mark, walk us through the games that we're going to play for the first week. So I'm going to be playing Star. Mm-hmm. Which is a platformer, which I'm really excited about. Yeah. Um. I've been in a, when I've been dabbling with Sonic the Hedgehog, I have started to really enjoy that. So I'm interested in another platform. I would say probably. Let me start this all over. Yeah. I like platformers. Coming up on this <laughs> I like platformers. Yeah. If push came to shove, I would probably say platformers are my favorite like type of game. Yeah. And so I'm excited to play Ristar in week one. And experience yet another Sega Genesis platformer. Um, and, you know, we're, we're saying week one. And I just want to uh, double check with the actual date. So this will be the, the week of the 20th to the 24th. I don't, I'm not really sure when we're going to put the episode out. Maybe on the 21st? Sure. Sure. Uh, it might come out on Wednesday. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Um, it'll, come out, <laughs> it'll come out that week. Um, I will be playing Gunstar Heroes, which is a sort of like uh, run and gun shooting in multiple directions. Uh, you know, fun time with platforming elements. I'm also a big fan of platformers. Uh, I don't care much for guns in video games, so maybe Gunstar Heroes is a poor choice, but I think it's going to be fun. Um, and then the third game that we are going to be playing that week is Golden Axe, uh, and we are going to try to play some of it together. Um, ba- basically, the, the format is Mark plays a game, I play a game, we play a game together, um, and I ask him about his game, he asks me about my game, we share our thoughts together about uh, the third game so that's week one mark week two uh which is uh going to be the week following oh i just clicked away um so that'll be like the 28th december 28th the week of new year's um we'll be playing three more games but these are all going to be randomly selected from the nintendo switch online sega genesis online <laughs> library. That's right. Library. That's right. Yes. Uh, but Thank how, you. Don't we, save me or anything here, Mark. <laughs> leave me to drown. We are going yeah. to, uh, from the list, we're removing Sonic the Hedgehog 2, since you and I recently played that. Right. And we're also removing Castlevania Bloodlines, because we at least experienced it when we uh, played the games in the original Castlevania collection. Anniversary right. collection. So the games that are up for consideration here are Contra Hardcore, Doctor Doctor Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine, Echo the Dolphin, Musha or M U S H A, Fantasy Star Four: The End of the Millennium, Shining Force, Shinobi Three, Streets of Rage Two, and Strider. Uh, Mark, are you ready for me to generate uh, the the first? Uh, is this for for my 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 game or sure. your game? Okay, so my game uh, random number gen- generator between one and nine. The answer 
is five. One, two, three, four, five. I'm going to at least sample Fantasy Star for the end of the millennium. Oh, that'll be fun. So that's like a deep RPG, right? Yeah. Uh, yep. But of like the 16-bit era. Uh-huh. I'll probably like this. I, I would think so. I'm a little bit jealous. Now I'm wishing I would have gone first. Well, you chickened out. I did it. <laughs> and uh, now we are doing, and uh, now we are pulling your number between one and eight. The answer is eight. Mark is going to be playing Strider. Awesome. I don't know what that is. Um, I think it's a 2D, uh, I think it's a platformer. Like, I think it's a ninja platformer. Am I okay. Okay. Um, uh, and then last but not least, the game that we will both be playing, uh, a random number generated between one and seven, the answer is two, Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine. The number generator has spoken. <coughs> that is the share for week two. Um, that's good. That's going to be super fun, uh, and a good, like, mix of games in there. A uh, little bit bummer, a little bit of a bummer that no one's playing Shining Force, I think. Yeah. Maybe a little bit of a bummer that nobody's playing Streets of Rage 2. Maybe a little bit of a bummer that no one's playing Shinobi 3. I mean, like, I feel like we could save this for all really, the remaining entries. I'm comfortable with no one playing Echo the Dolphin. <laughs> all right, Mark, let's get into what we've been playing this week. Mark, I need an update on your Animal Crossing I Island. know. I wish I had a more exciting update. I am on the cusp. Of something exciting happening, I think. Um, Today, when I logged into the game, I learned Tom Nook informed me that Resident Services is coming tomorrow. Wow. So I feel like if we were recording tomorrow, I'd be able to tell you if I have met all the requirements for Happy Home Paradise. Because at this moment, I do not know. Yeah. Um, So I think I'm very close. Assuming the the online guy that that I found was, was true. Which uh, I feel like is a fifty-fifty shot. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's great. That's very exciting. I I uh, I continue to watch uh, a lot of Sarah playing uh, the Happy Home Paradise. I believe she has designed thirty houses at this wow. point, uh, along with uh, when I left, she was designing the apparel shop, um, but she also you know designed the restaurant and the hospital and. Um, the school and something else, I think, but I can't re- remember what the other one is now. Um, and man, it is flabbergasting how many new items are in uh, this e- e- expansion for the game and how every item that they add has like seven different versions of it. Oh. Um, and it's it goes beyond just like a different color for it. It's like a different color and like a slightly different like carving on the cabinets or whatever. Um, it's sort of amazing. Like I don't, there's just so much stuff, so many more pieces of furniture and items and things to just like populate space with. Um, it's sort of surreal. Um, and like in watching her collect these things and like buy them at the uh, happy home uh, paradise store and bring them back to the Island. Uh, it makes me realize how many more like, customization options there are to make your island look like truly no one else's. That's what I was wondering. I I was wondering if all the new items and all that stuff that they introduce in Happy Home Paradise, if that is available on your island as well. Like, So you... it's, it's not available in the same way, but anything that is in Happy Home Paradise can make its way back to your island eventually Got or it. in some form. Because there are, you know, there's the the unique currency called Pokey 
um, that you get for doing job for designing houses that you spend uh, on, uh, you know, in paradise planning. And you can bring those things back to um, your island. Um, and then in addition to that, items that you encounter while designing houses will start to appear in Nook's Cranny. Um, not all the time, and they're expensive when you when you do encounter them. But it's just kind of a a cool. Uh, you start to see that like crossbreeding of the yeah uh, items cool. there with the items here. Remind me, did you get uh, did you and Sarah get all of the paintings from Red? Like, is your museum complete? Our museum is not complete, okay. but it is getting more complete as we go because we can visit Red on Harv's Island. I was wondering yeah. if you guys had started. Oh do, yeah, doing that, that was a day okay. one. Yeah, <laughs> it was like the throw bells at the problem. We're gonna <laughs> uh, all of these booths are gonna be occupied by uh, the the vendors that we don't want to have to wait for um, on the island. I. A little update. I started like I went back in and was like, it's it's inspiring to see all of these uh, homes get designed. And Sarah's really good at the game. Like, obviously, she sunk a lot of time into it to uh, design thirty homes. Um, but she's just like good and has like a good like spatial sense and like design sense. And it's yeah, a, a lot of the spaces end up looking sort of the same and or like my apartment. But she does a really good job of it. Um, so. Uh, I like started getting ideas in my head for like how I wanted to change my house on the island um, and was also like, you know what? I want to go to Paradise Planning and start designing some houses, some vacation houses uh, for myself because I hadn't done any of it firsthand yet um, and was like struck with this moment of like, well, wait a minute. Sarah and I share the same island. Do we share the same like oh, resort archipelago? Right. The answer is no. Oh, cool. So I go and I, everyone's first client is a yellow elephant named Eloise who wants a quiet reading room, um, which is a very easy thing to do because you can just put books on the floor, right? <laughs> um, uh, and it's, it, it was like... Feels kind of passive aggressive. Oh, you want a quiet reading room? Yeah, here Fine. are your books on the floor. <laughs> I mean, not all over the floor. <laughs> um, just a little bit, just because like, you know, makes it feel like fun and busy that way. Uh, uh, but... Um, no, I was like relieved to go into it, uh, and have like get to start from the beginning. Um, cause I think the way it doles out, uh, new systems and new abilities, like changing the size of rooms, giving them, uh, soundscapes, second floors, um, partitions and like columns, all of this stuff, um, seems overwhelming when I watch Sarah do it. But now that I know in the first one, I don't have any of those options and it's going to teach them to me like sort of one at a time, uh, feels very like attainable and cool, um, in a way that I think the vanilla game, uh, you know, Sarah started playing a couple months after me and the museum was already built. The resident services was already there. Um, so she didn't have the benefit of those like early days of the game, which I guess could be a blessing or a curse, right? Like depending on uh, what you're hoping to get out of it. Um, but I was super relieved to find out that I had my own separate archipelago. Yeah, that's great. I hadn't even really thought about that. And my yeah, assumption going into it probably would have been that you did share it. Yeah. Yep. That's really cool. I feel like um, my, so I have not been playing, I've talked about this a little bit in the past, but I've not been checking in on my island every day. And what a, for me, what a great way to play that game because, uh, I, you, you know, I check in maybe every like three or four days, maybe every day if I think about it, 
but I don't feel so much like pressure yes. to be there every day. And when I do go back, I make so much progress because um, like I went back to the island. All uh, I have like two new residents that weren't there last time. I'm getting the resident services. Building. What are their names? I uh, Pinky is one. What is Kinky? Oh, Pinky. Oh, Pinky. Sorry. I. Uh, a panda bear okay. who wants to be a rock star cool. who or pop star, which made me think, should I try to fill my entire island with villagers whose personalities are they all want to be pop stars? You could. There are a lot of them that want to be pop stars. I just let a want to be pop star go from my island. <laughs> it's I like, just... sorry, Nibbles, you're a green <laughs> squirrel. You're never going to make it. I don't know what, I don't know who the other islander is. Okay. All right. Um, have not learned their name. Um, was not on my to-do list today. Uh, but so I had some like got resident services, had some like my money trees that I had planted, mm-hmm. you know, last week. There were like three of them bloomed. So I had like a ton of money. I was able to like up, you know, like pay off my house in one go. Um, uh, Abel and her sister. Yeah. Are like I'm setting up. I, You're setting up their shop. I'm setting up their shop. Great. So tomorrow, presumably, like their shop will be there. So it, it just feels it's fun to like go and have these like lots of big things happening instead of when I was playing every day the first time. It would just felt slower to dole these things yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Not that the game was actually moving slower. It's just I was checking in more often. Yeah. Question for you. Mm. In order to get all of the fossils, because yes. you, you guys have gotten all the fossils, oh, yeah. right? Yeah, a long time ago. So to get all of the fossils, did you do that just on your own island or did you like purposefully yeah, just, go out? Just, okay. just on our own island. I, I don't know if there's any uh, like rhyme or reason to how the fossils spawn. Um, like there are obviously for uh, bugs that like some bugs are, you know, only spawn at certain times of day, at certain times of the year on specific trees or whatever. Um, and fish are the same way where it's like the season, the time of day. Uh, and whether it's the sea or a river or a river mouth or a pond, like all of these things have like different fish spawning uh, rates. But I believe that the fossils are all just random. Okay, that makes sense. I don't even think there are like rare fossils. Yeah, I, I oh, okay. Yeah, I wasn't sure if I needed to be like going on Dodo Airlines nah, to, you know, nah. go to the different islands as much as possible. To I try mean, to get, it, like, it, will, it, it would increase the number of fossils you encounter mm-hmm. in a given day, but I don't think it it really matters the other thing that has been honestly a relief is i don't care at all about what my island looks like or i mean i have been setting it up so it's very like utilitarian where it's like all of my trees with fruit are over here all the shops are here all my villagers are here so it makes it easier for me to be efficient but like i'm not really trying to decorate my house yeah i'm house poor it's a big empty house you know there's nothing in it I have not been decorating. I probably will need to. I put some flowers down, but like if I want to get KK slider, if like that ends up being a requirement for Happy Home Paradise, I'm gonna have to start like throwing stuff on the ground outside. But right now, I'm just like whatever. Doesn't matter to me. Not what I'm playing this game for. It feels like such relief because that's what I why I nuked my island last time because I didn't like what I had done with it. Yeah, and it felt impossible to um like arrange it how i want it to be done yeah well that is a little bit where we are with our island right now is that there's there's so many flowers there's so because <laughs> I, I went through a phase where i wanted to like get all of the flowers which mean meant setting up a lot of like weird flower breeding patches i kind of want to do that i kind of i still have the document that right you created yeah and so i kind of i because i never did it before so i kind of right. want to do it right yeah um but I, like doing that means that it, it like branched out into just 
you know, it's it's insanity. Um, so I did start like going through with the shovel and was like, okay, I'm gonna dig some things up and just toss them. Uh, but it takes so long. It takes so long. There should really be just like a a hoe or something that you can just like dig up and yeah, destroy. Yeah, like in, in SimCity, in how you can like choose how big the grid you want, and then you're just like level it. Yes, yes, delete. Yeah, that would be ideal. Um, but yeah, uh, absolutely amazing. You and I are both like back into Animal Crossing. <laughs> We're we're back, we're back to like fourteen months ago. Yep. Or sixteen months ago? How long? A long time well, ago. Well, it's it's uh in a way the perfect timing for me because there's not anything else this um holiday season that I'm going to be like picking up that I'm like really looking forward to. So it's the perfect time for me to continue making progress in Skyward Sword, dabble in Animal Crossing. Yeah. Um I'm kind of enjoying not having like a big game that I have to get out and like consume. Yeah. I mean, you still have to beat Metroid Dread, but moving on. <laughs> <laughs> and start uh, Dragon Quest XI S Echoes of an Elucidation. That's true. Edition, that one's always hanging over for you. the third time. Mark. So I am going to start it again. Well, uh, maybe not. No, well, I, I, you're just at Heliodor Castle, right? I. Or did you get out of Heliodor? I did get. Honestly, I can't. <laughs> I want to say I got out of Heliodor Castle, but there's an equally good chance that I'm still that you did like, not. there. Yeah. Okay. This isn't going to happen, but you and I need to make a plan to sit down together while you play the first, like, six hours of this game. <laughs> while you're, like, watching over me, standing, making <laughs> sure. Like, no, when, I, like, I, when my mind yes, begins to yes, wander. Yeah. Mark, like, and I, I wrap your <laughs> knuckles with a ruler. Just so we can uh, experience it and, like, laugh at the, the weird stuff together. Right. No, that would and be And I fun. hold I, you accountable with, <laughs> with the would, ruler. That's just a happy byproduct. Yes, yes. Uh, I would like that. That would be very fun. Um, I'm also, uh, because Sarah is, is playing so much, uh, Animal Crossing, uh, and, uh, my, like the other game that I'm into right now is Final Fantasy VII Remake, which I finished and I'm like going back through to like get everything, everything. Um, I needed like another game when she was on the, the TV, right? And like, it doesn't seem fair to like monopolize the TV all the time. It's fun to see the houses you're designing on a big screen. So, uh, I went back to my Wii U and have been playing the uh, Game Boy Advance Fire Emblem some more. Um, and I'm to the point in the game now where I need to, st- I need to do every fight, like every encounter in that game uh, three or four times. Oh, wow. Uh, because I'm not good enough at anticipating the kinds of uh, challenges that the game throws at you. So I need to just like, progress to that point in the fight and be like, ah, oh, shoot, I shouldn't have left these guys down here. I was doomed from like turn two. Um, and just like have to start over and like start over and start over, um, and it's very rewarding to get to the end of those uh, chapters and like do them well. But the frustration of like the second or third time that I'm doing it is really rough. The first one and like the uh, discovery is great, and the final one, the victory, is also great. But the middle man can be frustrating. What you're describing is why like I didn't really ever try with Fire Mm, Emblem mm -hmm. until Three Houses. Yeah. Well, I just, like, I don't want any of my characters to die. Right. Partially because I'm like, that's my archer. Like, (laughs) (laughs) if my archer dies, like, it's sad that the character's dead, but, like, I don't have that resource anymore. I'm not doing well at the game, which is why the character died. Why am I being punished going into the next fight without an archer? Yeah, I, that's a good point. It just seems like it would compound yes. and just get harder and harder. I how is like the story 
for sort of incomprehensible. Oh, I mean, okay. it's it, it's uh, nice and like moment to moment. I'm like, oh, these are like fun interactions, and like it seems like there's like high drama in this, you know, war um, in a Middle Ages setting. Uh, but like, if you were to ask me what's going on right now, I d- wouldn't even be able to come close to telling you because this is before the Fire Emblem breeding program started, right? Yes, so that's they right. started setting up like. I don't think that's what they call it. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, it's it's before... Uh, I'm, I'm calling it by the scientific name. <laughs> that doesn't really start until um, Fire Emblem Awakening on oh, the Oh, which on the makes 3DS. sense, because yeah. that's when like the series like started blowing up. Yeah, and that's uh, also... Uh, there's a, a time travel component um, in that game. They just sort of like cheat um, having like kids in uh, Fire Emblem Fates, where it's just like, uh, then then they grew up, and you're like... Well, wait, how much time passed? Like, <laughs> don't worry about it. Um, yeah, Awakening's really uh, nailed that. And, uh, you know, everything else is just sort of like trying to do it as well. Anyway, I, I'm enjoying it. I don't know how long I'm going to stick with it. Um, but uh, for the time being, I'm having fun. Um, all right, that's what we've been playing this week. Let's get in- into the new releases and what we might be playing next week. I'm going to jump straight to Friday. Straight December to Friday. Uh, the Switch, on Switch, the collection of uh, Danganronpa, the Danganronpa Decadence Collection is released, which includes Trigger Happy Havoc Anniversary Edition, uh, Danganronpa 2, Goodbye Despair Anniversary Edition, and Danganronpa Volume 3, Killing Harmony Anniversary Edition, plus... Danganronpa S Ultimate Summer Camp. These games are all available separately on the Switch eShop as well. Um, I'm kind of interested in picking up at hmm. least one of them. Okay. Um, not, not the whole collection, you don't think? Probably. No. Well, only because I don't think I'll buy it physically. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. But so that that's always a series that's kind of like piqued my interest. And so I'm excited for it to be on Switch. Also on Friday, December 3rd, Big Brain Academy Brain vs. Brain hmm. is released. Um, man, I was really hoping I could come up with two examples of characters named Brain, but I can only think of Brain from Pinky and the Brain. But what if he cloned himself? Mm, I would watch that. Or uh, he has, like, a long-lost cousin or something. See, I feel like, well, he's already paired up with an idiot, so, but I feel like long-lost cousins are always the reverse, <laughs> right? Like right. Uh, like Speedy Gonzalez right. and Slowpoke Rodriguez. I, yeah. Are they cousins? <laughs> <laughs> um... And then that's pretty much it, or at least as far as new releases go that I wanted to call out. Um, no, I think that's right. There's also that uh, that Disney Magical World Two and Enchanted Edition is is coming out. That's right. Um, that was featured in like a Nintendo Direct, uh-huh. wasn't it? May have just been a sizzle reel or something. No, honestly, uh, I think it was something more. I, I think, think it, it was... was something more as well. Oh, the one thing I did want to say about Big Brain, Big Brain Academy, Brain versus Brain. There is a demo available that I've been meaning to hmm. check out, but I have not yet. What about like Brainiac? It's too many like extra things. What? What? I mean, what would happen if uh, Brain from Pinky and the Brain had to go up against Brainiac? Who would win? Oh yeah, or oh oh um, I think I mean I think Brainiac probably. Yeah, would. I mean yeah, well because. <laughs> Brain never successfully takes over the world. Right. He tries. Mark, get this, every night. (laughs) Uh, Okay, uh, those are the new releases. Let's close this out. Next up is a regular segment on our show. It is time 
for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, where a performer or a group of performers did not play their instruments for 4 minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So, for the duration of one performance, 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Uh, Mark, look, it's uh, it's tough. Uh, there's a lot of Spider-Man news right now. We got to talk about what's going on with Spider-Man. There is, it feels like there is a lot happening with Spider-Man and the general, like, Spider-Universe. Mm. You know, you got that, like... Multiverse. Yeah. You got, Spider-Verse. You got that uh, Jared Leto movie. Yeah, Morbius, where, the yeah, living vampire. Uh-huh, yeah, Where, like, that's happening uh-huh. and is connected to, like... The Venom stuff, which I still haven't seen. Have you seen any of the Venom movies? I No, I saw part of the first Venom in a hotel room at Comic-Con two years ago. The best way to experience any movie. It's how I saw Suicide Squad. <laughs> um, <laughs> the first one or the second one? I said Suicide Squad and not The Suicide Squad, Mark. I would <laughs> appreciate it if you listened to me when I spoke. I... And then uh, Amy Pascal was out yes. uh, today when we were recording this. Talking about um, just out in the street, shouting to anyone who would know. In an interview with Fandango, Uh uh, she said that they're interested or want to do or are going to do like three more movies with um, the uh, Tom Holland Spider Man in the MCU, Marvel Cinematic Universe, which just uh, feels like a lot. Mm -hmm. It feels like a lot of Spider Man. But if you were Sony, and you had access to Spider-Man. Uh, I mean, I, I, I believe she said in interviews before, we're never getting rid of Spider-Man, or like, we're never going to stop making Spider-Man movies, or some Sony executive has said uh, that. Right, I mean, why would you? Why would you, indeed. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's been every, even when we think of like a Spider-Man movie as like not successful, they all make a ton of money. Yeah. Even like Amazing Spider-Man 2, Spider-Man 3 was the most profitable Spider-Man movie uh, and one of the most expensive movies ever made before like the MCU came out. Um, so like they're big deals. They make a lot of money for Sony and it's just smart. Everyone loves Spider-Man. Yep. Um, so it doesn't, it doesn't surprise me that they will continue to make more, but I sort of saw the, uh, the No Way Home thing and the sort of like emergence of the multiverse as a way to like extract um, the Tom Holland, Peter Parker from the MCU and just bring him back into whatever Sony's disastrous uh, Spider-Man shared universe is. But it doesn't seem like, I mean, can they do both? Yeah. I I was kind of, I was surprised that she was saying, yeah, we're going to make more Tom Holland MCU MCU Spider-Man movies. I mean, but also why mess with a good thing? Yeah, for, from true. their perspective, true. right? Because like they, uh, I I have no idea what the contractual, you know, like the way it works out, but they have to be making a ton of money off of them, and yeah. then they can still dabble. I mean, they've been very successful with Venom. Uh, who knows what you know this uh, Morbius, uh, Morbius the Living Vampire <laughs> movie is going to do? But they've been very successful, right? Yeah, so the, yeah. In the, they really get to have their cake and eat it too, and so yeah, why mess with it? And for the MCU, it's perfect. Because everybody loves Spider-Man. Right. And so yes. um, it will be interesting to see, knowing nothing about No Way Home, other than, you know, what they've seen and what they've shown in the trailers. Just interested to see how, like, the Tom Holland Spider-Man story continues. Right. Especially because, like, everything up until this point 
has been sort of uh, suggesting that like this is the end of this Peter Parker's journey, right. whatever that means. Yeah. Um, well, I guess uh, I guess we'll never know, or we'll know on December seventeenth uh, <laughs> when we have to do like another one of these because there's so much Spider-Man stuff. Um, all right, Mark, we were accompanied today by the EBU Your Radio Orchestra. Let's get into the news. And that's not even counting the Disney Plus like animated prequel that they announced. Right, that right. is also in that same M- Spider-Man MCU universe. So I, I was wondering about that because I, it seems weird that they can put that on Disney Plus because not even the Spider-Man uh, Tom Holland movies but are on Disney Plus. But they just signed a deal to make that possible. Like mm. recently, they signed a deal to make that possible in the future. Oh, okay. Got it. Got it. And are we ever going to get Hulk on on Disney Plus? That I don't think that we never. Ever. Universal well, I guess, holding I guess on. Never with say that. never. Yeah. but probably unlikely. Right. Universal, Paramount, who? Universal. Universal. Okay. Yep. Do we want to talk about Mario movie voice acting? No, we've said on the show previously. No, we don't want to. But the Mario movie is like a runaway truck. We uh-huh. can't stop mm-hmm. it. And so we we need to talk about this. Well, and I, I think we're still like in movie mode right now as we transition out of 433. So let's talk about the Mario movie voice cast. So um, for some, I not to disparage this website, but I've never heard of, heard of the website TooFab. No, me neither. And in fact, looking at it, I was wondering if it was TooFab. But for some reason... The head of Illuminations Entertainment, mm-hmm. board member of Nintendo, yes, producer Chris Melanette Dandry, talked to the website Toofab and had this to say about uh, the voice cast. Yeah, the and it's, it is unclear from the Toofab article whether this is an interview, whether... It, like it's stolen observations from it. Like I, the the sourcing on this feels dubious to me at best because it almost feels like they are citing someone else's interview, but there is no original interview. So I get this disclaimers here all around. None of some of this may be totally false. Like I have genuinely no idea. So, <laughs> all of that said, I. Uh, in regards to the ca- the casting of Chris Pratt as Mario. Yes. Uh, Chris. Okay. Sorry. One other thing. Yes. Is that the way that this interview is transcribed. Mm-hmm. Or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> really makes it sound like he was like cornered and unprepared yes. to give answers. To yes. talk about this at all. Yeah. Because these are not. Look. I'm not. Uh, th- this is a total glass house situation. But these are not the most. Um well thought out or articulate answers to these questions. Right, so I wonder right. if it was, because I think a lot of times in interviews, um, the reporter does the courtesy of cleaning up the quote a little bit and totally. removing the filler words and all that kind of stuff. That was not done Mm-mm. by Tufab. No, 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 no. And it, it, I, I almost wonder if, to, look, Check out go go to twofab.com right now. Check it out once and then don't ever go back. Um, because it seems like a sort of sleazy Hollywood gossip rag, oh, right? Got it. And okay. like it's it's what what we're getting here is I think just like steps away from TMZ. Got it. So right? he, so Chris Melandandry was probably probably just like walking the night. from his yeah. car to his plane at the airport. And was like rushed, right? 
by, you know, like a paparazzi or something. Right. <laughs> to snapping pictures. He's pulling his jacket up over exactly. his head, hoping not he's to be recognized. shouted questions right. about casting Chris Pratt. What do you think about Chris Pratt? And these are, these are his answers. So, uh, in regards to the um, casting of Chris Pratt, he said, quote, All I can tell you is that is is the voice that Chris Pratt is doing for us and Mario is phenomenal. Yeah, I can't wait for people to hear it. Okay. Fair enough? Fair enough. On if Mario is Italian, <laughs> this one is really good. Yeah. Quote, well, as an Italian-American myself, I understand. You know, I understand the comments. Charlie Day, who's playing, Mar- who's playing Luigi, actually comes from Italian heritage. Yeah, so that's our nod. Okay, now... This isn't a nod. <laughs> this this is a lie. <laughs> and I guess it's a fine lie because what is this question? <laughs> right. Who cares? Right. Who cares? Desperately, who cares? And also, try to imagine a movie where Mario, the protagonist, speaks like Mario from the <laughs> Mario games for 90 minutes. It's an impossibility. Now, I, I do have to admit that... Uh, I am not Italian American. <laughs> yeah. So sure. maybe it's easy for me to say who right. cares. We're approaching this from a place of ignorance, I yeah. suppose. Yes, for sure. <laughs> um but yeah, it's uh it's it's if that is true and was like intentional, it's such a pittance of an acknowledgement of someone being Italian. Like it's it, to, to the point of being ridiculous. Yeah. You might as well say, you know, we bought pizza for everybody when they came in to record. Pizza's Italian, right? Yep. On Mario's classic lines from the game, and if we would hear them in the movie, quote, we cover it in the movie, so you'll see that we definitely nod to that, but that's not the tenor of the performance throughout the film. Honestly, kind of a relief. Makes sense. That it's not the tenor of the film. Uh, I'm already a little annoyed that uh, what these nods are going to be. Like, I feel like they're going to be obvious setups where, like, Mario should say it's a me Mario or like Wahoo or let's it go. Uh-huh. And he subverts it by saying something else. Right. Which like, I don't know. Is that fun? Do we like that? Or he says like, let's go. And all the Goombas like look at each other. Like for real, for real. Did he say that like that? Yeah. I'm I, worried. I I mean, look. Yeah. We, terrified. I, I'm worried. I mean, it won't matter. Right. This is illumination studio though. Right. Yeah. So we're, we're talking about the people who are making sing Two, Right. Which was just promoted by Bono doing something with George Bush's daughter. What was it? It was something outrageous. It was one of those things where it just seemed like the universe was collapsing on itself and nothing made sense anymore. Um, and I can't recall all the details of it, but it's a, it's insanity. I have no faith in this movie to to be uh, to be anything of of any value. But that's probably good, right? Yeah. Because um, <laughs> uh, because then. It, uh, it it's fine. Whatever happens is totally fine. You, you know what I mean? Like, yes, yes. Uh, we have I. This will affect my life in no way. Whether yeah. the movie is, I mean, I guess like good art can be positive. So, like, if it's good, that's great. If it's right. bad, there's lots of bad movies. There's a bad Mario movie already. Yep. I think a point we've made on the show before. So, <laughs> uh, okay. So now, uh, we plan to never speak of it ever again. Well, until it comes uh, until the next time, yeah. yeah. Earlier this month, uh, the Wall Street Journal published a story detailing Activision CEO Bobby Kotick's knowledge about years of sexual misconduct allegations at the studio. This has been an ongoing problem for Activision Blizzard, including multiple investigations from various regulatory committees. 
but the Wall Street Journal piece laid bare Kotick's knowledge of and alleged involvement in this abuse and misconduct. Uh, this prompted either informal or internal statements from leadership at Sony and Microsoft. And last week, Fanbyte was able to obtain a copy of Nintendo of America President Doug Bowser's internal email addressing the situation. And this is, uh, it's, uh, it's weird to see uh, this snowball to sort of this level, right, of uh, actually seeing the, <clears throat> or figureheads at uh, the big three publishers uh, and, like, hardware holders uh, actually speaking out against uh, anyone. It's tough because uh, the Activision Blizzard board has so thrown their lot in with uh, Bobby Kotick, uh, Kotick that, like, it we'll see if it matters. Um, but it's encouraging to know that uh, the decision makers at places that matter are at least saying something about him. Yeah, it's interesting that to see this reaction versus Ubisoft. Yeah. Where as far as we know, um, th there weren't these kind of internal memos sent out company-wide from yeah. like Microsoft, yeah. Sony, or Nintendo. Um, so I... I think that is encouraging. But to your point, Patrick, like what is going to change? It feels so much like you were saying, like Activision Blizzard's board is um, just in like CYA mode. Yeah. Yeah. That mm -hmm. It's it's hard to see what changes, but um, uh, this is part of what Bowser wrote. Uh, quote, along with all of you, I've been following the latest developments with Activision Blizzard and the ongoing reports of sexual harassment and tox toxicity at the company. I find these accounts distressing and disturbing. They run counter to my values as well as Nintendo's beliefs, values, and policies. Uh, a good statement. Uh, it's, I don't know, what, what do you make of uh, a lot of these uh, memos being like internal memos and not I mean, I guess it's not really a, a corporate strategy to, like, put another company on blast, right? And, like, put out, like, a public-facing announcement. Right. Um, but, like, it's still, I don't know, it, 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 fe it feels weird. If there's no, like, action items of, like, therefore we are going to be taking down these from our store, like, it feels a little toothless to me. Yeah, yes. I mean, it is difficult because, right, these people are not in charge of... The company that they're talking about. Right. And so I think it does make sense that, like, they these are internal memos, especially uh, not that this is a bad thing, but I think, like, uh, particularly the Microsoft one was crafted knowing that it's going to leak, right? Yeah. Knowing yeah, that it, sure. it is going to get out. Um, but, uh, yeah, like, really, if you are, you know, Microsoft, if you're Sony, if you're Nintendo you could really t i guess take a stand and um like remove the games from your store i i wonder if they even like... i wonder if they even can though like they, there may be agreements in place already you know for however like, just with the way that like digital distribution works and streaming stuff works like a lot of those agreements are probably in place for years to come anyway. Like, I, I yeah, totally. I mean, I would imagine that in, they probably like, reserve the, term, the right, right? To, like yeah. they could, but also, you know, like I, uh, I do. N nobody knows the relationship between like 
Activision Blizzard and Nintendo that brought Overwatch to the Switch. You know what I mean? So right. like, there could be marketing partnerships, like all that kind of stuff. Yes. But, um, well, and I also like it may be a thing of like who blinks first. Because like Activision Blizzard, it would be a huge publisher to lose on any of those platforms. So like if if you're if you want to do the right thing and burn Activision Blizzard, they burn you right back. Right. And then if they weather the storm and Bobby, Co- Bobby Kotick stays on as CEO and nothing changes over there, then you never get those games again. Right. And like that would be the courageous thing and the right thing to do. But I understand why it's not happening. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Completely. Completely. Um, when oh the this statement went out to employees at all levels of Nintendo of America, including development studios like Next Level Games and Retro. And when contacted for comment, Nintendo PR confirmed the authenticity of Bowser's email, but said they had nothing further to add. Which, again, just sort of speaks to it being like a little toothless and like a little... I don't. You make the statement, you make it internally, you assume probably that it's going to leak, but then not have uh, like an additional statement or any like action plans. And this was all, you know, uh, this went public a, a week ago um and i feel like the story's already fallen out of like the games press like news cycle right yeah um so i don't know it, it's it seems like uh all bobby Kotick needed to do was survive exactly what he did a week yeah yeah i i feel like it's really uh, these situations like same with like ubisoft are always really difficult because it's like what as a consumer like what do you do other than agitate for change in whatever way that you can but like yeah i mean you it you could not buy activision blizzard products and i think that that is totally viable if that's something that you want to do but also like there's a lot of like uh the people who worked on it a lot of the people who worked on it, you know like worked really hard you know what i mean like could be proud of the work and i so i right I, but I like for for every dollar that goes to someone who worked on it like ten dollars goes to right. the the people making these awful decisions that's and totally true. enabling I, abusers you're and right stuff. i i guess like speaking for myself like i don't know what to do yes. i wish yeah. i knew what to mm-hmm. do to like agitate for change and i don't yeah well and it's it's uh sort of the like just on the opposite side of it too like agitating for change yes good and like trying to uh vote with your wallet and all of that but like you and I were talking about um, Diablo two uh, resurrected wh- whatever the the re release of it um, that we were both like interested in it and then like with all of this stuff coming to light like your appetite for the art goes away um, you know like I uh, uh, he's been dead for years he can't hurt anyone anymore but I can't listen to Michael Jackson's music like you know it's just knowing uh, the sort of like evil behind it um lessens my enjoyment of the product itself and i feel like for me what is like uh i I don't know it i i think for me what is like where i feel like especially weird about it is is it makes video games in general yeah i feel like you know and not that this sort of uh, awful corporate behavior is unique to video games, but it does feel like it is so ingrained mm-hmm. in video games that, and maybe it's just ingrained everywhere, right? And I just follow video games, and yeah. So that's well, but it, but like it makes me almost embarrassed to tell people 
that yeah. I play video games or that I enjoy video games. Or that you do a show twice a week <laughs> right, based on video exactly, games. Exactly, because like the stuff that is hitting the mainstream press about video games, a lot of the times is not like positive. Right. Well, I mean... It- you know, there's obviously been like a, a reckoning in the last like decade in like Hollywood, um, which you know is always the the they're very similar industries, but like video games are so much younger that like there's there are just fewer. We talked about this last week about like adults in the room, right? And like someone who is like taking uh, the like legal responsibilities and moral responsibilities towards their employees and other people in the community seriously. Um, that like that's just not there yet. Um, and I'm sure it is there some places, you know, I, I don't mean to paint with like a, an overly broad brush, but like, you know, whatever growing up Hollywood needed to do and is still doing video games is just behind on, um, because that industry is younger and because people got richer faster, uh, and have fewer breaks put on them as they go. And so like, you know, a, a, a genius or a visionary or someone who can wrangle whatever Bobby Kotick, you know, needs to wrangle to uh, put out the games that Activision Blizzard can put out that make the kind of money they make. Um, there's, you know, no re- no reason to stop him. Or there there obviously are tons of reasons to stop him. Uh, and they're all good reasons. Uh, but the money is yeah. bigger than that. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know what to do either. <laughs> According to a November 5th Square Enix sales briefing, which was only recently released to the public, Neo, The World Ends With You, which was a sequel to the, or is, it's not wiped off the face of the earth or anything. That's right. The, is a sequel to the DS original, The World Ends With You, did not meet the company's sales expectations. The report didn't specify what those expectations were, but it did express the hope that the game would continue to sell over time. And this this feels like a... Square Enix own goal to me personally. It's like mm. I don't know that there was a lot of marketing for the game. I don't think they made it very clear that it was a sequel. Um, like I think the messaging was just really confused. Yeah, um, I agree with that. I, I think it's weird. Yeah, I mean you're you're right that uh calling it Neo, the world ends with you just sounds like it's a new version of the world ends with you. Also, like if if you're trying to sell a sequel to a game, you start the name of the game with the Na- right like it's it, it's bizarre to start it with a different letter and a different word um and then yeah i think i think you're right like I, I i don't really remember seeing a ton of um like advertising or marketing for it yeah and you know the ds game was not to my memory like an enormous hit at the time yeah but has gained a cult status and has been re-released on multiple platforms since then so i'm assuming that those releases were successful in their own right enough to greenlight a sequel, but um, yeah, th- uh, this just kind of feels like a situation where Square Enix didn't market it successfully. At least that's my view on it. Yeah, I mean that that's sort of my read too. But I think also coupled with the like the first one wasn't that big of a success anyway. Um, so like you know what 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 really were their expectations and were those expectations realistic? Do you remember what they were selling this game for? Was this like a a forty dollar I'm pretty sure it was full price. Full full price. I mean, that could also be an issue too. That like going for you can buy the original on like iPhone for seven dollars or whatever. Uh, and even in its original release, it was a DS game, so it was forty, right? Um, and I think, like for me personally, one of the things that turned me off was a the the price on it, right? Like it would be a fun game to try out and mess around with. 
Although it was just part of a, uh, a NSO like free game trial thing, wasn't it? Yeah, I it did was. not check it out. During I didn't. That time. I didn't either. So we're part of the problem on this one too. Last week, version 4.0.0 for Mario Golf Super Rush launched, bringing Wiggler and Shy Guy into the game's playable roster of characters. Um, it also added new courses, Shell Top Sanctuary and All-Star Summit, new modes in Target Golf and one-on-one one put. One putt. One putt. One-on-one one putt. Got it. Is the, is, the, is the second mode. So the modes are Target Golf, and then the second one is one-on-one one putt. Got it. So I think that's uh, you one stroke to get to the green and then uh-huh. one, one stroke on the green. That makes sense. Um, it's amazing to me how much content they've added to this game sort of not even that slowly. I was going to say slowly, but just over the months that it's been out. Um, also, uh, Shy Guy should be in your starting roster. I don't, <laughs> don't know why he's not. Um, but yeah, it just makes me like one of the sort of knocks against uh, Super Rush when it came out was that it was sort of content light. Uh, and just to know that they've added all these courses to it, it including most recently two more courses. Yeah. Um, which like the original uh, release only had like five, four or five, something like that. Um, it's a significant amount uh, that they've added to it. Yeah, it seems like they are following a similar strategy to what they did with Mario Tennis Aces, which yeah. I think was incredibly successful for them. I think it was the, I think it is the best selling Mario Tennis game. I think Super Rush is either the best selling Mario Golf game or well on its way to being the best mm-hmm. uh, selling Mario Golf game. My understanding is that like for Aces, it's still fairly easy to find an online match. Yeah. Um, and so. I think that they that there is a real community there, and that they are um, so just following a similar playbook. Yeah. It's so weird, and obviously Nintendo knows what they're doing sometimes. <laughs> uh, but like, just knowing that when they release these games and have like a roadmap to just sort of like drip feed it for another couple months uh, and get it to a point where it's like maybe a complete product by the end of it, and they don't charge you anymore for it. Um, but like, it feels like such a weird hit for like the big fans of the the genres of those games like if you're a big mario tennis fan you picked it up on day one right but the game didn't become itself until like a year later but i guess it's probably like the best of both worlds like if you're a if you're coming in later then you have a ton of content right and these are additional marketing opportunities for them to yeah you know like get somebody in because they're huge wiggler fans right (laughs) so they're like i can play as wiggler in mario golf that's crazy. That is genuinely crazy. And so, um, but on the other hand, if you're a huge fan, I so, you know, like you are going to pick up the game day one. So I do wonder if maybe it's a little bit of, um, that's a difficult needle to thread. And I don't know that they always fall on the right side of it. Yeah. Like making sure that there's enough content day one to satisfy people who pick it up then, but then reward you for continuing to play in the months ahead. But, it, I mean, it's something that I'm about to say uniquely Nintendo, but obviously it's not unique. Other companies do this, too. But it is something that's uniquely Nintendo that the, all of their games have such long tails, um, especially anything on on the Switch. Like, you know, we talk all the time about how Mario Kart 8, like, just continues to sell. Uh, it's in, in, like, the top 10 of... You know, Millions of copies a year. Uh, yeah, I- exactly. And it's been out in one form or another for, like, almost a decade. Um, so, like, something like uh, Mario Tennis Aces or Mario Golf Super Rush, they expect to sell it f- in perpetuity 
uh, not forever, but for a long time. And so what the game looks like on day one may not be as important to them as what the game looks like even on day 400, you know? Yeah. It's something that they, I feel like that they've really started doing this generation. And we, you know, we talked, uh, it's honestly, it's been years at this point, but, you know, they talked about that being a strategy where, you know, they trickle out these updates in order to keep people engaged and like, you know, keep the game in the discussion. Um, But I, it, it is such an interesting strategy to me because it's not like a DLC strategy. It's not a games as a service strategy is just kind of like yeah it's you know, somewhere we're, we're in walking. the middle and yeah i i do wonder how much of it is like continued development and how much of it is like it's all developed and then we meter out the content like yeah like yeah, yeah. I, I i genuinely don't know maybe camelot has like dedicated teams for these games for like an extra nine months and they continue to make content um but we also saw something similar you know like we saw it with Super Mario World or Super Mario Maker 2. Yeah. I would say a very like erratic and weird update schedule, but they, you know, like continued to add major new features. Yeah. For basically a year. Um, we saw never charged anything for it. Yeah. Never charged anything for it. So I don't know. It's one of those like weird mysteries where it must, it, it, it must work out for them, but uh, just weird that it's not like straight up DLC. Yeah. And it's not. Um, like they're not saying, Hey, this game is going to continue to receive updates and new stuff in perpetuity. It's this interesting in between. Yeah. Well, and I wonder how much of it too, just like comes down to, uh, initial sales numbers and then being like, Oh, okay. The, it, we're, we can see that it's selling this much in its first couple months. And therefore we can at this point reliably project that it will sell you know, for uh, however long at whatever rate. And therefore we can afford to spend more money on the development of these games to keep it in the news cycle and, you know, whatever. And therefore like improve its sales over time. Like I can abstractly see how it works. It just from a consumer side feels weird to me. Yeah. Um, Cause like now that I, you know, we're however long we are into Mario golf, super rushes life cycle. And I didn't pick it up on day one. And I was like sort of interested in it. Now that it's at version 4.0 and there's a bunch of new content in it, I'm like, oh, that could be a fun, th- you know, I'm going to be on uh, a couple different planes as we head into the holiday season here. Like, that could be a fun thing to mess around with. Yeah. It's working. It's working. I forgot when exactly the release date for Shovel Knight Pocket Dungeon was announced. Maybe it was last week. Maybe it was Maybe last it was week. earlier. Yeah, who knows? But uh, Shovel Knight Pocket Dungeon has a release date. Yay! The action puzzle game is coming to Switch December 13th and will cost $19.99. Uh, Mark, thank you for reading this news item. This is uh, exclusively for me, I think. Uh, I, I am there for whatever Yacht Club Games puts out, and I'm there for any Shovel Knight game. I can't really wrap my head around the way this game works um, because it does look like there are action components, and it's like sort of a match-three puzzler. Um, and sort of a dungeon crawler. I don't get it. I can't wait to get my hands on it. There are a lot, as for me who follows Shovel Knight exclusively through these news items that you write. That's right. um, I have such a loose handle on what Shovel Knight games are looming out there because it feels like there is a lot. Yeah. Um, And I like, there's the one that's a little bit like uh, Steampunk Dig 
Steam World Dig? Yes. Yeah, I think it's just called Shovel Knight Dig. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Uh, oh, but that's actually a collaboration, right? With uh, I don't another know. company. I don't <laughs> but, but isn't there... or? Is there also another DLC that we're waiting on or that has no. been released? No, so the, the Shovel Knight Treasure Trove is done. Um, the the four games and the Battle Royale thing, which is now I can't remember what the name of, those are all out and done. And right. They're, they're done developing that. So, yeah, there's there's uh, Shovel Knight Dig. There's this uh, Pocket Dungeon. And I think there's one more, but I can't remember what it is right now. It was also revealed that developer Yacht Club plans to release three packs of DLC over the next year or so for this game, presumably. Yeah. Got it. Mm -hmm. And finally, there's a new patch for Indie Darling Eastward that squashed a lot of bugs and added a lot of quality of life improvements. The list of changes is pretty vast, but none of the new features seem like particularly earth shattering. But there's a lot of them. Um, and uh, this is a game that I messed around with for maybe two-ish hours um, and just wasn't quite, yeah, it wasn't uh, getting the tooks in me. And I wonder if these quality of life improvements uh, could be the thing that like get me to just go back. Like, so so much of what can get in my way of enjoying a game is just like the little friction points. We talk about these all the time, right? Oh, uh, it just takes like a second longer to open a door for no good reason. Um, and so if uh, a lot of that is being ironed out here, I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm interested in going back to it. It's a beautiful game. So, is this what gets me back in, Mark? If if somebody is playing Eastward and has an opinion on the new patch, let us know. Yeah. All right, Mark. Let's get out of the news. Okay, that is going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Please remember to rate, review, and follow us on Apple Podcasts. If you like the episode, you should share it on Facebook or Twitter. We appreciate it when you do that. Or share it wherever you share stuff. Uh, you know, on a park bench. There's someone next to you. Uh, ask them if they've heard about Nintendo Cartridge Society. If you are Forrest Gump. That's right. If you are waiting for a bus. Recommend our show. He's waiting for a bus, right? I'd believe it. To go see Jenny. That sounds right. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. She's not dead at that point. Um, oh, going to see her tombstone. That's like going to see her. Right? Spoiler for <laughs> what happens to Jenny and Forrest Gump. Mark's at MKE Mitchell, and the show is at Nincart Society. You can also check out the Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan Bear logo. Our theme music is provided by Apebetty. You can get more of his music by going to apebetty.com or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Eller saying thank you for listening. And you don't need to go back and check out Forrest Gump. The, the, the time for it has passed. I'm Brian Husky. I'm bald. And I'm Charlie Sanders, and I'm also bald. And we host Bald Talk on the Campfire Media Network. Bald Talk is the podcast where two bald comedians talk to anyone bald about being bald. But this show isn't just for baldies, Brian. Harrows will love it, too. Bald Talk gets into vulnerability, vanity, insecurity, and self-acceptance, reminding us that we all have our respective bald spots. Not that bald spots are a bad thing. No way. I mean, my entire head is one big bald spot. It is one huge, beautiful bald spot, Charlie. Get Bald Talk on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I mean, I I have like 
a little bit of hair, but not like you. Like you're really bald. I'm truly bald. Great. I mean, it's I'm great. balder than it. you. You are balder than me. Only on bald talk. Campfire.